In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Dear saints, this year for Advent, we're going to focus on uh, the Christian's life at three different uh, moments or stages. Uh, We'll consider life right now in this very moment, uh, what life will be like on the very last day of the world, and what life will be like after in the life to come. Uh, So to begin with, uh, we're going to consider the Christian life right now as it is. So the past couple of Sundays, you've heard quite a lot about how you should be prepared for the end of your own life and the end of the world. You must be ready for this to happen at any moment. You have to be ready for your life and, your, and the entire world to end right now. However, you have to also be ready for it to not end right this very moment. You have to be ready to die tonight, but you also have to be ready to live for the next hundred years, for the rest of your life. You need to have your bags packed and ready to go and walk out the door this very moment, and yet you also need to be ready to wait for the long haul. And you need to be ready for when your life and this world doesn't end right now, for however long that may take. And that's what this sermon is about. It's about what you should do when the world doesn't end right now, when you continue living. And this is something that the Christians in uh, Thessalonica, they struggled with. In fact, this is what uh, the entire epistles of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are about. Uh, So in 1st Thessalonians, Paul taught the Christians that the last day uh, is indeed coming and that it would come like a thief in the night, so they should be ready at any moment. Okay, well, after they heard that, What do you think they did? (laughs) Uh, They thought, well, look, well, since Jesus is coming at any moment, then why work? Why do anything? Uh, Why save anything? Why do anything good? Why try? Why keep uh, pushing through the difficulties of this life? I might as well just sit back, relax, and just wait for the Lord to come. Uh, So many quit their jobs. Many left their duties, many stopped uh, doing good works and helping others, and they just became lazy and idle and waiting and doing nothing. And so this is where Second Thessalonians uh, takes place. Paul is teaching the, Th- the Thessalonians about how to live in the meantime when Christ doesn't return. So I'm going to read for you what Paul writes to them in chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians, starting at verse 6. He says this, he says, <clears throat> Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. 
As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So that's what Paul wrote to the Christians who were just waiting and doing nothing. And so it's true, as Christians, we look forward to the return of Christ, uh, and we wait for it with hope and joy. However, we need to also have the discipline to keep doing whatever we're supposed to be doing in this life. Uh, When unbelievers consider their own death or the end of the world, uh, they know that everything is going to come to naught. They just get discouraged, and it dissuades them. In fact, the end of life and the end of the world dissuades them from doing good because it's all vanity. So they seek after their carnal pleasures, to seek uh, after hedonism, whatever makes them happy in the moment, because this life is only one, and it's the only one you get. So you make the most of it. But as a Christian, uh, your death and the end of the world should not discourage you from doing good, but encourage you all the more. It should motivate you to work harder, to do better, to push forward, to push through the difficulty of this life. And you work hard in this life because you know that your rest is coming. It is not in this life. And you push through the monotony of this life because you know that God will renew all things. Um, There is a quote uh, by by Dr. Martin Luther uh, and it goes like this, uh, at, at least, sorry, let me, let me uh, redact that. Uh, there's a quote that's been attributed to Martin Luther. It goes like this. It says, if the world were to end tomorrow, I'd still plant an apple tree, uh, a tree today. Uh, now, for many years, I thought Luther said this, but it turns out he never did. <laughs> uh, we're not exactly sure who said it, but the first time we see it was in 1944. Somebody quotes this and they attribute it to Luther, but We realize he never said it. Now, I don't know who said it, but to be honest, it doesn't quite matter who said it uh, because there's still wisdom in those words. So I don't know the original intent behind it, but I like the quote for two reasons. And the first is this, that uh, this saying, if the world were going to end tomorrow, then I would still plant a tree today, uh, is saying that even if the world was going to end, you simply keep doing what you're doing. Uh, without wavering from it. That Jesus returning shouldn't stop you from living your uh, godly life or living a life of faith toward God and love toward your neighbor. Uh, And I find this really helpful, especially with what we're facing today. There's so much fear of getting sick and dying that people have stopped living uh, for the fear of dying. They've stopped going to church or listening to the word or visiting family, and so on, and their lives look entirely different now than they ever have because of the fear of dying. Uh, Many years ago, there was a great fear of global warfare uh, when the atomic bomb was created and uh, that there was, the, the world was on the brink of destruction on account of this. And uh, there was a theologian by the name of C.S. Lewis who addressed this issue by saying this, He says, uh, this is his advice. He says, let's pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb in an instant, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, 
teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. So that's the first thing we can learn from the quote. If the world were to end tomorrow, I'd still plant a tree today, is that we should keep living the life that God has given us, even if we are to know that this is our final day. Uh, The second thing we can learn from this quote is this. Um, that why would I plant a tree now if Jesus were to return tomorrow? Well, it's because Jesus returning isn't the end of life, but the beginning of eternal life. And that means this. If I plant a tree in sin today, right now, then tomorrow I will see it in glory in the life to come. The good you do today will carry over into the life to come. Your good works don't lead you into heaven, but they do follow you. And that's what Revelation says. It says, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, for their works follow them. This means that today, that today you conceive children in sin and sorrow and the troubles and pains of this life. And you bring them to the baptismal font because the children you hold in your arms here today in sorrow, tomorrow you will hold them in eternal joy. You lead them here right now so that they will follow you into eternity then. Today you reconcile with others, with one another. You forgive those who have sinned against you, those who have hurt you. And even on your best day, you do it imperfectly, but you reconcile with each other today because you know that tomorrow you will be perfectly reconciled in eternity and you will live in perfect unity. That old grudges and troubles will be gone and that the work you start today in this life, the Lord will bring to completion. So even if the world were going to end tomorrow, you keep doing what God gave you to do. And you do it gladly and joyfully, knowing that whatever you start here will remain. This is all because Jesus spilled his blood for you when he became an infant and grew up and went to the cross and died in your place to save you from this life of sin. When Jesus came to this earth, he came to take on flesh, to carry your cross and to fulfill the law of God for you so that your life would not be wasted, so that the works you do, the good things you do in his name would be remembered and follow you into eternity. And when he comes again to redeem you, to sanctify and bless everything, uh, he will come and sanctify and bless everything he has done in you and through you. He will take away all of the sin and the mistakes and the failures and leave only the good. Your own body is perishable, but God will raise it to be imperishable. Your own children suffer and die now in this veil of tears, but he will raise them up forever in the life to come. So what should you be doing uh, while you wait for this day? You should practice being resurrected. 
That is, you practice being perfect. You won't be perfect in this life, and that will only happen in the life to come. But you should prepare yourself for it by living your life today, right now in this moment, like you will be living it in the resurrection. So consider your life as a Christian, as a baptized child of God. Uh, consider it as a dress rehearsal for the resurrection. Uh, in the life to come, you will love your neighbor perfectly. You will love one another perfectly. Whatever grudges or things that are between you guys will be gone in that day. So start practicing loving your neighbor now. In that life to come, you will live in unity and peace. So start living in that peace and unity now. You won't hold grudges then, so practice letting go of them now. You'll love your wife so purely on that day. So start doing that now. You'll love having children then on that day. So love having your children now. You'll love theology on that day. So practice loving it now. You'll love to sing hymns of praise to God at the top of your lungs. So do that now. You'll be happy and joyful and self-controlled and patient and kind and good and so on and so on. You will do all those things on that final day filled with the fruits of the Spirit. So start living like that now. Practicing doing the things that you soon will do in the life to come. And when your life comes to an end, uh, when this world is ending, when Christ returns, remember that this is only the beginning of life for you. So keep pushing through this life and don't be idle or cower away in fear, but wait for Jesus with joy. And don't grow weary of doing good because it is not in vain because Jesus is coming soon. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.